I really hope people continue to get vac- vaccinated um, and this doesn't cause more skepticism. Tonight, pause for one vaccine maker as authorities hope the setback doesn't erode public confidence. Miguel Almaguer, NBC News. Well, Dr. Anthony Fauci is acknowledging this news has the potential to shake vaccine confidence, but says transparency is important. We spoke earlier this afternoon. Was a pause necessary in your view? Yes, I believe it was necessary for a couple of reasons. One, to investigate these a bit more, uh, to make sure we get much more of the details and the granular details of that. But also, it's important during this period of pause to alert physicians on the outside who might see women or men, but mostly women, as we've seen all six of these women, who might come in with a clotting disorder like this. And Dr. Fauci, we were told these vaccines had been thoroughly tested, there were no shortcuts, that they were safe. If there is, in fact, a connection between blood clots and the J&J vaccine, why wouldn't it have been discovered during the trials? It's a matter of numbers, Esther. For example, if you look in a clinical trial, generally clinical trials have anywhere from 30,000 to 40,000 people in it. You're talking about an adverse event that has occurred in six people out of 6.85 million people who were vaccinated in the United States with the J&J. When you get out into the real world, you're giving it to tens and tens of millions of people. And it is at that point that you see if there is a rare adverse event, you will pick it up as you get into the millions of people who are vaccinated. What would you recommend to anyone who has had the J&J vaccine in the last couple of weeks? Is there anything they can do? Well, right now, I would make sure they understand that this is really a very rare event. And in fact, it had occurred in people in a very small bracket of time frame between six and 13 days. So if you had received the vaccine a couple of months ago, then I think you would have absolutely nothing to worry about. I would be very surprised if there was any issue there. If you had received it within a period of, let's say, two or three weeks or a week or two, I would tell them, A, again, it's a very rare event, but you should be alert to see if you get symptoms of a severe headache or some issue with movement, uh, stroke-like syndromes, that that would bring you to the doctor, make sure you tell them that you've been vaccinated. Dr. Fauci says they have not seen this particular issue with either the Moderna or Pfizer vaccines. Let's turn out of the tense situation in Minnesota we've been following where the police officer who shot and killed 20-year-old Dante Wright following a traffic stop resigned today, along with the chief of police. Ron Allen is there. Tonight, the officer who fired the fatal shot and the city's police chief both resigned amid growing outrage over the death of Dante Wright. Kim Potter, with 26 years on the force, saying it was in the best interest of the community for her to resign immediately. I'm hoping that this will help uh, bring some calm to, uh, to the community. Prosecutors say they're likely to decide whether to file criminal charges as soon as tomorrow. It follows a second night of confrontation. Hundreds of protesters face-to-face with police outside their fortified headquarters. We need the police to stand it down. As many as 40 arrests, most for violating curfew. Stores in a nearby strip mall looted. Eventually, police using tear gas and rubber bullets clear the area after, they say, coming under attack. Say his name! For Dante Wright's family, another day of grief in solidarity with relatives of George Floyd. I 
never imagined this is what was going to happen. I just thought maybe he was being arrested. Wright's family demanding justice, rejecting the police statement, calling the incident an accident, with the officer mistakenly using her firearm instead of a taser. Police have not revealed the exact weapons the officer carried, but law enforcement experts say guns and tasers typically used look and feel very different. The family's attorney says there was no reason to use a weapon. Wright was stopped for an expired vehicle tag, and officers discovered he had an outstanding misdemeanor warrant. They could have given him a ticket that when it's black people, they do the most excessive use of force. China Whitaker and Wright have a son together. Dante is almost two. She says he had a doting father. How do you feel about what happened? I'm really just hurt for my son. Really, really because, like, they took his dad from him, especially being a, a black young son. He needs his dad. And what is, are things looking like as nightfall approaches, Ron? Lester, police and National Guard have brought in reinforcements. They're ready. Protesters are gathering not far from here. And there's a curfew in effect again tonight. Lester? All right, Ron Allen, thank you. In just 60 seconds, the defense begins its case on why Derek Chauvin should be acquitted in the death of George Floyd. With that police shooting just miles away in Minneapolis, the defense began its case today at the murder trial of former police officer Derek Chauvin in the death of George Floyd. Gabe Gutierrez is there tonight. After 38 witnesses and 11 days of testimony, today the murder trial of Derek Chauvin entered a new phase. Your Honor, the state of Minnesota rests. With the prosecution wrapping up, the defense took center stage, arguing that George Floyd died from drugs and pre-existing health conditions, not Chauvin's knee on his neck. Put your hands on the desk. The first witness, a retired Minneapolis officer who arrested Floyd during a previous incident in 2019, as shown in this body camera video. The passenger was unresponsive and non-compliant to my commands. But under cross-examination, he acknowledged Floyd eventually did comply. A paramedic then testified Floyd told her he'd taken multiple opioid pills that day. I asked him why. He said it's because he was addicted. The defense then shifted to the night of Floyd's death in 2020. Speaking publicly for the first time, Shawanda Hill, the woman in Floyd's SUV, told the jury he was asleep when the officers approached the vehicle. I was like, baby, that's when he opened the door, rolled down the window, whatever he told me to do. So he looked back, and he instantly, he seen the man, the man had the gun at the window at the, at, when we looked back to him. So he instantly grabbed the wheel. And he was like, please, please don't kill me. Please, please don't shoot me. Don't shoot me. Also taking the stand, a Minneapolis Park police officer who detained Hill while other officers restrained Floyd. The defense played video from his body camera, and he testified about the crowd of bystanders. Very aggressive. Yes. Aggressive towards officers, yes. Then the defense called its own use of force expert. I felt that Derek Chauvin was justified, was acting with objective reasonableness. The prosecution pushed back. In, in this uh, moment, uh, was this crowd a uh, threatening crowd? No. The defense doesn't have to have a great case. The prosecution does. Because the prosecution needs a unanimous verdict to convict, but the defense only needs one stubborn juror to lead to a hung jury. Outside the courthouse, oh. Floyd's family stood shoulder to shoulder with the family of Dante Wright. Police officers are killing us, and we are being murdered at a rate that I never thought I could imagine. 
It is not clear exactly how many witnesses the defense will call, but the judge has told the jury that he expects closing arguments on Monday, Lester. All right, Gabe Gutierrez tonight, thank you. It's America's longest war, and tonight it appears U.S. troops are about to head home from Afghanistan, but not by the May 1st deadline that former President Trump had set. Instead, President Biden is set to announce he'll keep U.S. troops there until September 11th. Andrea Mitchell has more. After 20 years costing 2,400 American lives, officials say the withdrawal will start almost immediately so President Biden can focus on today's threats. But he won't get out by former President Trump's May 1st deadline, which Mr. Biden has acknowledged. It's going to be hard to meet the May 1 deadline. Just in terms of tactical reasons, it's hard to get those troops out. The U.S. has 2,500 troops in Afghanistan, plus about 7,000 NATO forces who would also leave. Defense Secretary Austin and Secretary of State Lincoln in Europe today briefing allies. We know that the Taliban will attempt to, uh, to come back into power, uh, and I hope that we have put some checks and balances in place with the Taliban and with the Afghan government to ensure that that doesn't happen. Congressional reaction is mixed because the U.S. will be leaving without a Taliban peace deal or guarantees to protect the rights of women. But a senior official says the president believes waiting for that is a recipe for staying in Afghanistan forever. Lester? Andrew Mitchell tonight, thanks. This evening we want to look at what's driving the record migrant surge we've been watching at the southern border. It's left nearly 22,000 children in U.S. custody, a number that keeps soaring. NBC's Ayman Mohadeen reports from Guatemala tonight. If abject poverty had an address, the village of Florido Aceituno would be it. With her baby in one arm, Nicolas Ayapen is about to make the family's one meal for the day without any running water or electricity. What do you feed the baby? Powdered milk or a soup, she tells me. Her seven-month-old son, Juan de Jesus, is almost half the weight he should be for a baby his age. 50% of Guatemala's children under five are malnourished. It is dire economic conditions like these that tonight are fueling Guatemala's migration exodus. Nicolosa says she's thought about going to the U.S., but is staying to take care of her in-laws. But 21-year-old Samuel told us he's lost hope of a future here, saying he's working to raise $12,000 to pay traffickers to smuggle him across the border into the U.S. after hearing President Biden would allow him to stay. The president would give you 100 days of a free pass window, he told me. But while the Biden administration is allowing unaccompanied children and now many families to stay in the U.S., others, including adults like Samuel, are not allowed in. Guatemala's president told me Biden's humane messaging towards migrants early on was confusing. This president wants to build a wall of prosperity, jobs, education, health care, but that can't be done without American help and the fear corrupt officials siphoning off funds before they get to the people who need to hear the most. Lester? All right, Eamon Mohideen in Guatemala tonight. Thank you. It's been nearly 100 days since the Capitol riot and more than 400 people are charged, but a big question is yet to be answered. Whose idea was it? Pete Williams now with more in our NBC News cross-platform series, American Extremism. The FBI.
FBI says its massive investigation has uncovered contacts late last year among people who became some of the first to break through the police barricades and smash their way into the Capitol. But whose plan was it? Twelve people from six states are charged with being part of an Oath Keepers conspiracy to derail the electoral vote count. But court documents say by late December, their talk was about demonstrating in the streets. That on January 1st, one of them sent a message saying he'd like to know what the plan is and that they seemed caught off guard by the crowd storming the Capitol. Still, the government says seven of them lined up military-style to force their way in. All 12 have pleaded not guilty. Separately, four men have been accused of being part of a Proud Boys conspiracy to stop the vote count, joining with eight others accused of coming to Washington ready for a fight of some kind. Investigators say one of them, Joseph Biggs of Florida, messaged, we have a plan the night before the riot. But court documents don't say what that plan was. Prosecutors say Biggs led the Proud Boys on January 6th from the Washington Monument to the Capitol, where one of their followers is accused of breaking a Capitol window, allowing hundreds more to stream in. They pleaded not guilty, too. Seamus Hughes, a terrorism expert at George Washington University, says it might have been nobody's plan in advance. It's possible this is basically a, a seize-the-moment situation, right? You had an opportunity where these guys were, were primed to go a few days before. They saw an opportunity and, and took it with the crowd. Some social media posts before the 6th urged people to storm the Capitol, but it's still not clear who had actual plans to do it. Pete Williams, NBC News, Washington. Up next for us tonight, how to beat the rising cost of groceries. Well, maybe you've noticed lately, grocery prices are soaring. Stephanie Rule now with some ways to save. You can't miss it. Cheese and stuff like we try to stay away because the prices have gone up. Sticker shock in the supermarket aisle. John Camarage says his grocery bill has nearly doubled. Are you buying less fresh food, less produce, less meat because of the prices? It's, it's more produce than, than meat to us because meat is very expensive. Compared to a year ago, many staples will cost more. A dozen eggs and a pound of ground chuck, both up 7%. And a loaf of bread, up 11%. I would expect that we're going to see prices continue to rise over the next 6 to 18 months. Experts say that's because of the supply, coupled with the increased cost of getting products onto shelves. Factors include rising gas prices, driver shortages, fewer workers in meatpacking plants and bakeries, and bad winter weather that damage crops. Even with prices going up, there are ways to save. Managing what's in your home and what you're bringing in in terms of storing it will really go a long way to save money. That means buying food in bulk when possible, using apps like Flip and Basket to track prices and the best deals, and keeping your eyes open for store brands. Smart shopping that could mean more savings. Stephanie Rule, NBC News. Up next for us here tonight, a powerful tribute to a fallen hero. Finally tonight, the moving tribute at the U.S. Capitol today. President Biden among those honoring a fallen police officer. Somber silence as the body of Officer William Evans laid in a place of honor at the Capitol, a building he protected faithfully for 18 years. The U.S. Capitol police officer was killed in the line of duty during an attack on April 2nd, leaving behind his grieving mother. He was defined by his dignity, his decency, his loyalty, and his courage. And two young children, nine-year-old Logan, wearing his father's service hat, got a personal gift from the President of the United States, a challenge coin. 
His daughter, Abigail, only seven years old, wiping tears from her mother's face. But also creating a moment of levity when someone special rescued one of her toys from the ground. Greater compliment as no one had than the President of the United States <laughs> looking after your toys. Remembered as a familiar smiling face to those who worked with him, now recognized by all as a hero. Your son, your husband, your brother, your dad, who's a hero, and he's part of it's in your blood. Officer Evans will be honored at a private funeral Thursday in Massachusetts. That's nightly news for this Tuesday. Thank you for watching, everyone. I'm Lester Holt. Please take care of yourself and each other.